Good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me this morning on Next on the Tee. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Company, Frogger Golf, and our friends at Orange Whip, makers of the Orange Whip Trainer. And, folks, if you haven't checked out the Orange Whip and you're looking for a great way to kind of limber up before your next round or improve your club head speed, well, you need to go check out the Orange Whip. Pretty cold outside, right? 23 degrees here in Atlanta this morning. And there isn't a better way to loosen up and get prepared for your round than by swinging the Orange Whip. My father, 73 years old, plays five days a week using the Orange Whip to loosen up before his rounds. It's improving my club head speed. Take a look at what a great training aid it is, and I wouldn't say that if I wasn't using it myself. Go online to see, see for yourself at orangewhiptrainer.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Company and their winter apparel. You want to talk about some great stuff and a wonderful gift idea for anybody on your nice list. Go to bobbyjones.com and check out their great styles and super soft sweaters and shirts. They're going to keep you warm and both looking good and feeling good, whether you're in the office or out on the golf course. Plus, while you're there... Go watch some of the videos from Bobby Jones himself. Many of those lessons, folks, still hold true to today. So go to bobbyjones.com and see for yourself how great their apparel is. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and this morning I'm excited to have three really great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. First up with me this morning is going to be seven-time ladies long driving champion, Lisa Longball Blueswick. You know, she is, you know, what an amazing player she is and you got to go check her out on youtube and on her site as well we'll talk about that when she joins me in a little bit. what a great technique she has and you know we'll talk about that plus the long driving competitions that she's won and so much more when she joins me here in just a few minutes following lisa i'll be joined by nine-time winner out on tour in the 2011 u.s senior open champion olin brown He's going to join me here a little bit later on in this half hour. And then we're going to wrap up the show by getting a return visit from Alan Edmonds CEO, Paul Grandgard. And you know how much I love all of the stuff that they have on their site. We'll talk about the great, you know, their great dress shoes, their great boots, golf shoes, their amazing sports gifts you know, for the sports enthusiasts in your life. And uh, I am uh, very honored to say I'm, I'm staring, sitting here staring at three wonderful items you know, from their site for the Pittsburgh sports fan that I am. And uh, we'll talk about all of their great stuff when Paul joins me a little bit later on in this hour. So it's going to be an informative show. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. And like I mentioned a moment ago, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship, and they recently hosted the LPGA Legends Championship as well. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay. And I tell you what, folks, I know it's getting cold in the golf. You may not get the opportunity to get out on the Pete Dyer Donald Ross design course. No problem. It's a great resort as well, wonderful spa on, right there on the property, and a casino as well, my friends. So, again, go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself. And every week here on Next on the Tee, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women that are serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We want to thank all of you for the daily sacrifices that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. And we also want to thank our veterans out there for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life continues to be possible. And folks, please remember, if you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about, 
in your daily life, wherever you might be, whether it's in the grocery store, at a restaurant, in the airport, please, wherever you are, stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you. And it's an honor that you have Next on the T as part of your network. To find our show, you can go to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to continue to remind our veterans, be, out, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. You know, it is a great site with news and articles that are geared specifically for our veterans out there. You're going to find a lot of information for you. You're going to find both useful and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. And one last thing, and certainly not least, I want to send out a big thank you to our good friends over at Podbean for making Next on the T and our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, regularly featured podcasts both on their uh, online website and their mobile app as well. You can see us featured on their homepage and in their sports and recreation section. We really appreciate your support and what you're doing to promote our shows. It means a great deal to us. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we hope you're doing it via the Podbean app. And on their app, you can get instant updates every time we publish a new episode. It's free. It's got great features that let you easily discover, listen, and even publish yourself in your own podcast, whether you're using an Android or an iPhone. Podbean is the app for your podcasting needs. Get the app now on Google Play or the Apple App Store so you can enjoy, enjoy more of the podcasts that you love. And we hope two of them are next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate. Again, podbean.com. All right, now joining me on the French Lake Resort guest line, like I mentioned at the top, is Lisa Longball of Lucewick. Let me give you some background on Lisa. She is a seven-time Canadian long drive champion. She, she's ranked top five in the world. She's a 14-time long, world long drive finalist. She's also a keynote speaker and a great golf entertainer as well. And I'm very excited that uh, she has taken time out of her morning to be a part of the show this morning with me here next on the tee. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, Chris. Thanks very much for having me. So, Lisa, I, you know, I certainly was doing a lot of reading about your background, and I read a story that said the first time you picked up a club was when you were in eighth grade, and then you, you went, I, I believe, to go get some lessons or whatnot. Sixty boys yep. and you were there, yep. but the, the coach essentially set you off to go hit six irons by yourself while he went on with the boys. That's got to be you know, a, very disheartening to think, you know what, I'm here to get some lessons, I want to learn this game, and now you're sending me off to the side. How would you deal with that? You know, that was a tough start because I was, <clears throat> I was my dad's last hope as a golfer. So he brought me out to junior night, and as you said, there were 60 boys and me, and, and the coach was like, oh, Lisa, go hit your six iron at the end of the range, and, and he didn't come down and work with me the rest of the night. So I basically quit, and, uh, you know, I, I was discouraged. So, that, that, you know, that action alone, <clears throat> had I had an encouraging, you know, coach uh, who wanted me into the game, I, I think I could have started competing at that time and, and coming to the game. But uh, I maybe played once a year with my dad, you know, if he, if he forced me to, nine holes. And, and, and I, I really gave up the game until, uh, until actually uh, just when I was finishing university. So, you know, you talk about your dad's last resort, right? So was it your father <laughs> that first got you interested in the game and, and, and put a set of clubs in your hands? It was. So he was, my mom didn't play, my older sister didn't play, so I was his truly last chance uh, to make a golfer. And he played every weekend with his friends and got great joy from golf. So he, I think he wanted that for us. And, and you know, what was really cool is uh, it was years later, now that golf has become my passion and, and my career and, and what I do, I, I was able to take my dad to St. Andrews. And I've got a picture of us walking down 18, wow. just past the Swilkin Bridge. And it's a very, very special picture to me because it was my dad who truly did introduce me to the game 
What was it like getting to play that golf course with your father? I think that's a dream of so many oh. of us, right? That that love the game, yeah. and that you know our fathers, you know, were the ones that that taught it to us. You know, certainly from my father and I, and my my you know myself and my son. What was it like being a, you know being able to you know experience that? You know, you don't want it to end. It's one of those rounds that that feels like it goes by in seconds, and that that each and it was again being on such hallowed ground. You know, you know, teeing off on the first hole for for any golfer who hasn't yet experienced it, I highly recommend to go to the home of golf. And when you're standing on that tee, to know that every single great golfer that has ever played the game has stood in that exact same spot. You know, it's just it's it's an unbelievable experience. And then to be there with your dad. You know, uh, it's 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 as you go through hole one and. And to it, and you just you have these experiences, and and you walk it, and that's the beautiful thing, especially when you play those courses in the UK, is that you walk it. So you, you're not in a cart, you're not separated. You know, you have that those chances to stroll down the fairway. And you know, I'm a big fan that if you're going to play those big bucket list courses, you've got to buck up and pay for the caddy because when you have caddies, it just makes that experience. And at St Andrews, it's very important to know where you're where you're going. The course is actually played in the opposite direction into which it was originally designed, so it's often very very hard to see the bunkers. They're a bit hidden. You, you more can see them from the green as you look back to the tee. So having a caddy is imperative. But when you have that caddy, my dad and I were able to just hit our shots. You know, the caddies took care of the clubs and everything else, and we were able to stroll, literally stroll down the fairway together and, and, and suck it in. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very special moment. Yeah, what's, what's it like to, to stroll across the Swilkin Bridge with your father? Oh. Oh, the, the, the pictures. Well, first of all, it's the pictures, and I, you know the caddies are used to it, right? But to, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's magical. It's, it's, if you love this game, there's people who play golf and there's golfers. If you're a golfer, when you take that walk over the Swilkin Bridge, and I hope every single person who's listening gets a chance to do that one time in their life, you know, it's just this, you have, it's a magical moment. And, you know, how many moments have we seen? You know, Jack Nicklaus in his red sweater vest on, 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 on the last day, his last competitive round that he played when he waved goodbye to us in 2005, you know, from the from the Open, and then Tom Watson just recently, you know, it, it was at it was at night, it was so dark, you know, but how many fans stayed to watch him, and and as he took that tearful walk over that bridge and waved to the fans, so you remember all these great moments, and and to be there yourself, it's it's again to have that picture uh, is is framed, I ha- you know, it's, it's so special to me that I get to look at it every day. Yeah, wow, that's got to be amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Good for him. Thank you. Yeah. Lisa, I also read that you volunteered at the 1999 Neumauer Classic that was played up in, in Calgary that year. It was yes. a major at that time on the LPGA Tour. So you, you got an up-close view of the best female players oh. in the world that we Kari Webb ended up winning that year by a couple of yep. strokes over, over Laura Davies. But talk about the impact of being at that event you know, for you and on your desire to then get more involved in the game of golf. Yeah, you know, Chris, that was a game changer, I, I have to say. So I basically was a non-golfer. My husband had just graduated uh, from university, and he was a farm kid. So he didn't p- play golf, and he realized golf is a key networking opportunity. So he was being invited to corporate and charity golf tournaments. And uh, so we would go out to the local municipal course wherever we can kind of afford to get on and play. I couldn't break 100 to save my life, but I was starting to really enjoy the game. And I was a school teacher at the time, so I had the summers off. So I did. I volunteered. It was at the Des Moines Classic. It was one of the four LPGA Tour majors at the time. And, and I'm 
I, I have to say, you're, you're standing on the sidelines. I was a marshal, so I was, you know, holding the quiet sign, which everyone kind of teases me because, you know, a bit of an oxymoron, you know, jumbo shrimp, Lisa holding the quiet sign, right? But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, getting to stand there and, and watch the best female golfers on the planet. And I'm telling your listeners, you know, if you want to replicate or emulate a swing, watch LPGA Tour players, their rhythm, their tempo, and, and just how far they can hit it for literally their size. And so I, I, watching these ladies, you know, I, I just fell in love with the game. And I, I remember Julie Inkster was on my hole, and she had, uh, she, you know, she, she, the, the rough was so thick, she, you know, she had just rolled off the green but couldn't find her ball. And, you know, I, I helped her find her ball, and she's like, oh, thank you. And, you know, it's just like you feel like, you know, you, know, you just feel like you won the lottery when, they're, you know, when they speak to you. And, and, and everyone was so kind and, and, and welcoming. And, and Kari Webb was a great champion. And she actually, she and her mom, her mom had flown in from Australia, so to actually see her, you know, win was amazing. And she and her mom came to the volunteer reception at the end and uh, th- thanked all of us for being there, for giving our time. Because as we all know that uh, all these events on the PJ Tour, the Champions Tour, the LPGA, you know, it's the volunteers that, that really help make, make it ha- happen because otherwise the expense would be astronomical. So, you know, watching those players is what made me decide I want to compete in this game. And, you know, I, I, although I couldn't break 100, luckily in golf there's competitions for people who can't break 100. So, so that's, that really was my turning point in golf that really gave me that fire in my belly to want to, to try to compete. And, you know, as, as that inspired you to go on to compete, was, was there an aha moment for you that you realized, A, you know, A, I like this game, and B, boy, I sure can hit it a long way? Well, see, Chris, that's so funny because I always played with guys. You know, I played with my husband, and who would we get paired up with? Often two guys. Now, I would play from the forward tees, so, you know, if, if I was longer than, than the guys, I never really thought much of it because I was from the forward tees. And so uh, it was when I first played my very first competition after the DeMaurier um, <clears throat> that I entered. It was a, kind of a mid-handicap competition, handicaps 12 to 40. And I came halfway through the pack, but I was hitting it 80 to 100 yards past my other female playing partners. You know, and I didn't really think much of it at the time, too, because I thought, well, you know, it's the mid-handicap. And within a year, working on my swing, I, I still didn't have any coaching at this point, but I was able to get myself down to an 11.8 which, uh, handicap, which basically just snuck me into our provincial, which would be like your state amateur. And I was competing against, you know, top NCAA girls and, and so forth. And when I teed it up against those girls, although I came again near the end, end of, the, of the pack in that competition, I was uh, 70 to 80 yards past all of those girls. And that's when I knew I was long. I happened to see a, uh, an advertisement for a long drive competition, and I entered, and I won with a 313-yard drive with a set of clubs from Costco. Wow. <laughs> and, and that's how it started. <laughs> uh, and, and, Lisa, and, you, and you just mentioned this a moment ago, but you had no coaching, right? You're self-taught. I, I am. So if anyone watches, you mentioned the YouTube videos, you know, you'll, you'll watch me, and you'll actually see me explode, like, up onto my toes. So that's, you know, you'll see that in Lexi Thompson and uh, Bubba Watson, old school Laura Davies. She's, she always got up on her toes, and I did that. I was a former gymnast. I, I, I absolutely credit uh, gymnastics as to why I can hit the ball so far. It's balance, flexibility, but where is a gymnast where you get your strength is ex- your explosion from your legs. And so when I as being self-taught, I always just, you know, really ex- used ground forces and exploded. And, and so to this day, with driver, you, you will see me literally get up on my toes, or if you see a still shot uh, as I come through impact. And, and Lisa, you know, I went out onto the, the worldlongdrive.com site and, you know, took a look at the, the 2016 World Championship competition, and they set it oh. up in a match play format, which so seems a, a bit, you know, unfair 
to yeah. me. You know, Chris, it, I have to tell you, get you into it, a match. It, it was tough. Yeah, this 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 was a, an interesting format. Like, in my personal opinion, um, I feel if you want to find the top three longest girls on the planet, or four girls, or five girls, or whatever number you're going to pay down to, um, you, you know, I, I I personally like a straight shootout. So uh, so you know that you have qualifying rounds and you go double elimination through a qualifying round. So so this year was very interesting. So what they did is we did it's it's uh, four four uh, girls on the tee. It's the same for the men's division, and we all compete in the same place. The Golf Channel purchased our federation about two years ago uh, from the Long Drivers of America. So uh, that's been really exciting. The Golf Channel has, um, uh, you know, done a great job of October as Long Drive Month and, you know, featuring long drivers and tips and so forth in their morning drive segments and, and so, so on. And, and uh, they've really put some great effort and resources into, uh, you know, building the stands and, and the venue and, and, again, more advertising. Um, but what it is, so it's four, four, four long drivers or four hitters on the tee at any given time. There's slots one, two, three, and four. We each have numbered balls, again, according to whatever slot that you're in. Every long driver has a spotter uh, both on the tee and in the fairway and they're communicating via walkie-talkie and uh, this year normally we've had two minutes and 45 seconds six balls longest ball counts this year <clears throat> they gave us uh, three minutes uh, and eight balls so it was a little bit of a different format, and there were a few times, like our reigning, our current world champion, Phyllis Meddy from New Zealand, she actually, in her first round, she didn't get through all her balls because she was going through her pre-shot routine, and all of a sudden the, the buzzer went, and so you have to really prepare for that three minutes to practice uh, getting through, through eight balls, but... Basically, what they did it was a point system, and they, they didn't indicate this on the website, which I was a bit disappointed because it'd be great for our for viewers to see what were our yardages and and we battled like we, I hit forty competitive balls before we went to match play, and so um, first place of <clears throat> only the four girls on the tee received two hundred points, second place had a hundred points, third place got fifty, and then fourth place twenty five. But it was a funny format because I had a stacked bracket the first two rounds. And I remember I had the fourth longest ball of the competition, yet I had only amassed 100 points by two rounds. So I, but luckily I won my next two rounds and then came second in my third round, so I, I you know, made top eight. And then once we reached top eight, the rest of the girls were eliminated, and the top eight girls went to a match play. Yeah, but just from a, a match play standpoint, and as you kind of point out through this whole thing, it, it seems like an odd format to me yeah. because – you know, you could get into, you know, you, if you end up playing against somebody, but, you know, they, they drive at 360 and you drive at 355 and you get eliminated, but the next, you know, the other pairings may drive at 340, you're out, but they Chris, advance. That seems odd to me. Chris, you nailed it, and it happens in the open men's division all the time. And it's, it's hard, right, because you see it. You see a guy, you know, in the men's division, it'll be, let's call it 390, and the other guy hits it 385. So the 385 is eliminated, and the very next round it's 360 and 365, and the 365 goes forward. So, you know, I, I, the men's are, the men definitely have not been a, a huge fan of it. I, I think that the idea behind it is it, the, the Long Drivers of America had started it, and then the Golf Channel has continued it. Is they think it's more exciting for live television because the Open Division gets uh, is, is telecast in live television. So I, I think that's the reasoning, but. You know, for, for the women's division, like, I, I was just thinking, oh, goodness, like, if you come eighth, it's first versus eighth. And so I thought, oh, gee, you know, I, 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 I didn't want to come eighth or seventh because it was se- seventh versus the second seed. And I actually came in the ideal spot. I came in fifth out of, um, uh, after the qualifying rounds and fifth vase, uh, versus the fourth place. So it was, we were the two closest matched. And I, to show you the depth of field this year at the 
2006 World Long Drive Championships. We had uh, several newcomers and, and veterans that had come back, and a really, really strong, strong field, the strongest field ever amassed at, at the World Championship, in my opinion. And uh, so I, I faced the fourth-place girl was four-time world champion Sandra Carlberg from Sweden, reigning world champion and most decorated female long driver in our sport. And that's who I got in my match play. And uh, by six yards, she got me by six yards, but I was six yards away from advancing to that to the next stage. So that that was a tough one because you know I felt like I was hitting it well and and I, you know it would but you know it, it's uh, I, I would love to see it as a straight shootout and and I think that there's a potential that the um, of the world long drive uh, will will change with the golf channel. They've they've actually organized a player summit and they're inviting a, a select group of uh, of players in the open division, senior division, and women's division to come down to Orlando January 12th to 14th, uh, in which I think we're going to be talking about some of the format, maybe the future of long drive. Um, so I'm hoping we have an opportunity to express, you know, our feelings as to where we see, where we would love to see the, the sport going. And Lisa, you know, as I saw some of the pictures of you online and you wear Nike apparel, but I saw at the 2016 World Drive Competition that you used a Callaway XR16 driver. Do you, did you used to use Nike clubs before they, you know, before they decided to get out of the golf I business sure and just switch to Callaway? Yeah, so this has been a bit, it was a bit difficult. Uh, it was, um, you know, I've been a Nike athlete for 12 years, a voraciously proud Nike athlete wearing the swoosh. Um, I've come second in the world with Nike equipment, third in the world with Nike equipment. So um, absolutely, uh, the issue became, um, uh, so uh, early August, first week of August, Nike announced that they were getting out of the equipment industry, and I was devastated. I just, I've been a Nike athlete for, as I said, 12 years, and I, I've loved their product, and, and to think that I'll, no, I'll never hit a club, you know, a Nike club again, the issue became, uh, sometimes access. So um, Nike doesn't produce uh, heads uh, that are under 8.5 degrees in loft. And in long drive, um, the men in particular, men use three, four degree drivers. And the women's division, we use six, seven degree drivers. And so I, I always had to get my heads from the oven, Nike's R&D facility. And with the announcement, it was, it was difficult to get those lower lofted he- heads um, uh, in time for my world long drive championships. So it was, uh, you know, Nike had, was fantastic. Nike always has been so amazing with me. And uh, they understood that we, I, we just couldn't get the equipment in time with, you know, with a huge announcement coming. So um, so that's probably for, for 2017. Uh, Callaway, they are, they are um, ingrained in long drive. They believe in long drive. They have a, a distance team. They have been a wonderful sponsor of the World Long Drive Championships. And that's the equipment that I'll be using in 2017. And I'm, I'm pretty excited with uh where they're going uh, in, in, in their equipment. But also, it's, it's, it's a heavy heart because I, I'm really sad that, that Nike no longer will be in the equipment industry. And as you mentioned a moment ago, Lisa, the loft on your driver, six degrees for competition. Is that the same well, loft you use when you're just out playing around a round of golf? Uh, it, you know, yes, I would say my go-to, if I had to say my go-to lost, uh, kind of like a six, I, my, I had a 6.8 Nike uh, Vapor Driver that I just was in love with, and so the 6.8 was my go-to, but this year at World Long Drive Championships, um, I, I we had a 20 mile an hour headwind in Oklahoma, and I, I cranked it down to a 4.9 degree driver, so I competed with a 4.9 degree driver at World Championships. 
Wow. How do you control yeah. a 4.9-degree driver? It's almost like a putter, right, Chris? <laughs> yes. You, you know, it's, so here's the thing. Uh, it's, it's, for, it's not as about, about as much for control. Like, um, the faster your club head speed, the higher you launch the ball, and that's why the men's division, you know, their club head speeds are in the 150-mile-an-hour range, so that's why they need those lower-lofted drivers. I have a bit of a steep swing plane to begin with, so I launch the ball quite high. So for me, it's not as much a control issue with, uh, with that degree. It actually becomes the shaft. That's where you start to see the control issue come in. Uh, so standard uh, gentleman's driver is 45 inches. Standard ladies' driver is 43 and a half inches. Um, but you'll see that at uh, the World Long Drive Championships, we max it out uh, at to uh, 48 inches. So we go full USGA. Uh, and so with the longer shaft, for many of your listeners, yes, you can get generate longer club or sorry, more club head speed with a longer shaft. The issue is how do you keep it straight? So that's uh, you'll lose you lose accuracy, accuracy, but you gain you gain club head speed. And you, know, you talk about club head speed. What, what's your club head speed? My club head speed ranges somewhere from like 108 to 113 miles an hour. Uh, and so, uh, so it's, that's, you know, the, the two, two numbers uh, as long drivers that we're always trying to work a little bit harder on is a club head speed and ball speed uh, being very important. And for, for, for your listeners out there, to, you know, to, to really maximize that center of face contact, you know, a great thing that I do, um, buy a, a bottle of foot spray, uh, you know, just that you can get at your local pharmacy or, or drugstore or, you know, Walmart, and uh, sp- spray a light layer of foot spray on your, especially your driver, but you can do it with all your clubs. And, and walk Watch to see where your impact of the ball is. Um, if you're consistently on the toe or the heel, or perhaps even if you're all over the, the driver face, you are losing key yardage and distance um, out there. So, uh, you know, I think that if some of your listeners start working on that center of ball, you, you know, that will be a real eye-opener for them, and you can start to make a few little adjustments. Obviously, I highly recommend going to see a PGA of America instructor to, uh, to, to get, you know, you don't want to, I tell women in particular, don't, don't see your spouse or don't have your spouse teach you golf. And even if your spouse is a single digit, it, they, they still have some bad habits, so I think it's important to always, you know, see, see the golf professionals out there and uh, really start working on center of face contact. Um, and then the club head speed is, is you know, the, that and, and the ball speed will come. So I obviously we beg the question, right? What's what's the what's the longest drive you've ever had? So my longest drive in competition, I always say in competition because, you know, I've played Kapalua in Maui, the 18th hole at Kapalua in Maui, if anyone's ever seen it on TV in the season opener for the PGA Tour uh, or had a chance to play it themselves. It's downhill, downwind. You know, I've hit it 416, right? But I, that's, that's, you know, downhill, downwind. But in competition, my longest drive, I was the first woman to ever hit it over three and a half NFL football fields. I hit it 350 50 yards, two feet, two inches. So it was that day, Chris, it was like butter. You know when you hit a golf ball and it, and it just it comes off and it just it feels like butter. That's what that that shot felt like. Wow, good for you. Yeah, yeah, it helps on par five. Lisa. <laughs> if I could only chip and putt, Chris. <laughs> Lisa, a couple more before we let you go. I also read that uh, you had an opportunity to play with Steve Elkington, and you actually beat him from playing oh. from the back tees. What was that like? If anyone gets a chance to see this, I'm telling you, Google this. So Steve Elkington have, has, uh, had a, has a show. It's called The Rural Golfer. It's now switched to Secret Golf. But uh, Steve Elkington, we met. This is a crazy story. So he had come to Calgary. Uh, uh, Calgary uh, hosts uh, a Champions Tour event. And uh, he was, he's, he's very active on Twitter. And so he had a picture of Elk Avenue, which is in Banff. Uh, for, it's a world-famous Banff National Park uh, in, in, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. And he was under Elk Avenue. So I, I started following him on Twitter. Well, he followed me back, and I couldn't believe it. And so uh, he sent me a, a private note. 
how far do you hit it? And I'm like, um, well, you know, when I'm playing regular golf, you know, I average somewhere between 280, you know, to two, uh, you know, to 290 to try to keep it in the fairway. But in long drive, I average anywhere from 295 to, you know, 305, 310. And, and then, you know, I've hit it 320, 330, you know, and so forth. But anyway, so uh, at the time, I was heading down in a couple of weeks to, the, uh, to North Carolina to the Kia Greater Hickory Classic at the time. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be doing a clinic there. I said, will you be at that event? And he said, yes. He said, I'll come to your clinic. And I'm kind of like, oh, maybe it's like, hey, let's do lunch, right? And so, you know, that it's just someone being kind, right? They, they, they didn't really mean it. So a couple months later, uh, I get a note on Twitter from, from uh, Steve. What time does your clinic start tomorrow? And I'm like, um, uh, well, it starts at, at noon. And so, so sure enough, he came. And he didn't just come for five, ten minutes. He came and watched my whole clinic. And he was so kind afterwards. He said uh, he said he learned something. You know, he was uh, he was being very kind. But he said, you know, Lisa, I did see a couple power leaks in your swing. He said, would you would you like to me, me to show you that? I'm like, oh, yeah, y- you know, yes. Uh, you know, PGA Tour major winner. Uh, you know, a multiple winner on the on the PGA Tour. Gosh, I'd be honored, right? And he said, you know, meet me at the range tomorrow at two o'clock. So I was there, Johnny on the spot at the driving range at the Greater Hickory Classic. And then this is as, like, Bernard Langer is, like, hitting balls, you know, three stalls down, right? So, and Olin Brown, I met Olin Brown, actually, who's your next guest. He was, uh, I met him in the lobby of the hotel. He was such a nice man, uh, so kind. So your guests are going to love him. But, uh, yeah, so Steve started giving me lessons, and he talked about mash and players who really mash the ball like Hogan and showed me a couple little things. And uh, so, yeah, so it, it, then um, that was kind of the end, and he was, it was just such an honor to meet him. A couple months later, he gives me a call says he's coming to Calgary, going to be doing a Back to the Champions Tour, and is, is going to be doing his Rural Golfer Show, and would I like to be a guest? So uh, I was I was over the moon and, and said yes and so we we did the show and we we started the show and I I thought we were just going to be on the range you know talking about long drive you know at, you know helping guests how to hit it you know longer and straighter and and so we did that and then he said okay well let's go play the um, play our match and I'm like I said our match and he said haven't you watched the show <laughs> so we had to play it. oh my gosh this is why I always watch the show always watch the show so we we played a par three a par four and a par five. So he was, we started with a par five and I hit it, I hit it 300 and he's hit it like 308. And I'm like, wow, like Steve, he has a sweet, sweet swing and he's so long. Like it's just, and it's, it's, he's, he's like sneaky long. You, you don't think it's going to, you know, that ball just pops off the face. He's just, oh, it was beautiful. So anyway, he, he, I, I, I par, he birdies and uh, I, maybe I bogeyed and he parred, like, but he, he had me by one stroke there. And then we go to the next hole, and I birdied the par three, and I end up doing a backflip on the green on him. So I birdie it. I, I do a run, running round off back tuck, because that gymnastics background, Chris, really comes in handy. And Steve goes, what the bleep? There was a bit of a bleep on the, on the video. And I think I rattled him enough. I rattled him enough that, that uh, I ended up uh, – uh, no, so we, we both parred the first hole. That's what we both parred the first hole. I birdied, and then we parred the last hole. We both parred the last hole, so I, I ended up beating him. But I, it, it was the backflip that did it because – and over 18 holes, Steve takes me by 20. But I, I lucked out, and uh, he, it was just a, a dream come true to play with Steve Elkington and, uh, and become friends because he – is just I can't say enough wonderful things about him. That's fantastic. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. We've got our, 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 we've got our next guest, Owen Brown, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Owen in just a minute. Lisa, one more before we let you go. You've got an instructional video available yeah. on your website. Talk about that. 
You know what? I just I, I do I've done a few clinics on the Champions Tour and on the on the PGA Tour and 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 across North America with corporate and charity outings. And everyone always said, "Oh, at least I wish I had that on video." And so finally, I I, I videoed it this past year, and uh, I just just released it in time for Christmas as a soft launch. I'll do a big launch in the spring. But uh, I, I basically go through the tips to how to hit it longer, straighter, better. And uh, again, I highly recommend seeing your PJ of American instructors, but these are the things that I do. I, I focus on, you know, uh, teaching people, you know, proper posture and, and how to make a good turn and, and the, the keys to really, if you want to hit that ball longer, uh, how to do that. So I, I'm very excited about it and uh, thought it, it would be a great Christmas gift and stocking stuffer. So uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's available on my website and it's great because you can download a gift certificate with an access code and so it's not like you have to wait for the shipping of the video so that people can use it on their smartphones and tablets and, and and home computers, because I find that's where most people are viewing their videos these days. That's right. So, Lisa, let yeah. our listeners know. How can they go online? What's the web address, and so how can they, can they follow you on social media? Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, you, they can go to www.lisalongball.com, and there'll be the, the instructional video up at the top there. You can click on that. I also have my golf schools there, and then I'm very active on Twitter, so at Lisa Longball. Uh, if, it was, if my last name's Vluswick, I married a Dutchman, and so this is, that doesn't work well in social media. Too many spelling mistakes. So Lisa Longball's <laughs> been a great nickname, and uh, so that's my, my handle on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. So, yeah, love to connect with your with your with your listeners. And if anyone has any questions, uh, I'm happy to help out with a few tips. You know how to hit it longer and longer, straighter, better. There you go, Lisa. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of Thanks. your morning to be a part of the show. It was great having you. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I had a lot of fun. I would be honored, Chris. Thank you very much. And your guests are going to love Olin. Like, what a great guy and an uh, incredible champion. And I can't say how, how kind he was when I got to meet him at the Champions Tour event. So they're, they're just going to love him. And, and, and I wish a very Merry Christmas to all your listeners and Happy Holidays, and especially to our veterans and to, our, to all the service personnel. Because as you said at the beginning of the show, that uh, you know, we don't have our freedom without them. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for yeah. your time this morning, Lisa. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family as well. I look forward to the opportunity, hopefully, to catch up with you again real soon. Thank you, Chris. I would love that. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Lisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Lisa Longbaugh of Lucewick. And, boy, you want to talk about a, a dynamic, you know, striker of the golf ball. you got to go check her out on her, on her website, lisalongball.com. Check out her videos. A lot of fun. Follow her on Twitter as well. She's fantastic. Hopefully we get the opportunity, like I say, to catch up with Lisa again real soon. Had a lot of fun talking with her. All right, we're going to get to my next guest, Owen Brown, on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Olin Brown. Let me give you some background on Olin. He is from Washington, D.C. He attended Occidental College out in L.A., a Division Three school. He joined the golf team as a sophomore and, and gradually moved up to be their number one player. He was a, a first-team all-conference, all S. Uh, SCIAC golfer in 1980 and 1982 received an at-large invitation to the NCAA Division III championships. He was inducted into their Golf Hall of Fame in 1997 and their Golf Annual MVP Award is now named in his honor. He turned pro in 1984. He won four times on the then Nike Tour, twice in 1991, once in 93 and again in 96. Won three times 
on the regular tour at the 98 Greater Hartford Open by chipping in, folks, from 40 feet to defeat uh, Stuart Sink and Larry Mize in a playoff. He won again in 99 at the Colonial by one stroke over Fred Funk and at the 2005 Deutsche Bank Championship over Jason Bond. He's won twice on the Champions Tour, including the 2011 U.S. Senior Open by three strokes over Marco Mira, and last year here in Atlanta at the Greater Gwinnett Championship by one stroke over Bernard Longer. 2005, he was the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year. This year on the Champions Tour, finished second at the Regents Tradition, which is also a Champions Tour major. He's had five top tens, including a sixth-place finish at the Senior Senior Players Championship. So quite an accomplished golfer in every way possible, and he is currently a major force on the Champions Tour, and I'm glad to have him with me this morning on Next on the Tee. Good morning, Owen. Thank you for joining me. That's quite an intro, Chris. Thanks very much. And I'm telling you, following Lisa Longball on your show is uh, a tough act to follow. I can tell you that. Her energy level is off the charts. Unreal. It was great. I was listening in as I was waiting to come on and talk to you guys. She's, uh, she's quite an entertainer, and she is as nice a person as she is conversant. She's great. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Thank you for saying that, too. So, Olin, I want to start by, you know, going back to the beginning for you with, with, the, with respect to the game of golf. You know, I'm always curious, who is the first person to put a golf club in your hand, and how old were you when you started? You know, uh, when I was a little kid, I kind of dragged around with my dad uh, as he would go out on a Saturday morning, but it was more keeping him company than anything else. And um, I really played other sports as a, as a young person and didn't play any golf basically until I got to college, you know, I got a summer job working in a bag room after my freshman year. And that's when I really started playing uh, on a regular basis and kind of took to the game and decided I wanted to try and make a go of it. So, you know, as I said, you went to, to Occidental College out in L.A. How does a kid who grew up in Washington, D.C. end up playing or going to Occidental College and playing your college golf out there? Yeah, I was headed out there regardless. I had made up my mind in about sixth grade. I was going to school in California. I don't know what it was. Maybe growing up listening to the Beach Boys. I, I just don't know. And uh, I, uh, I wanted to study marine biology, and Occidental had uh, had a great marine biology program, a couple research vessels, and, you know, the water's not far. Catalina Island is where they do a lot of their stuff, and that's why I headed out there. And uh, all worked out for the best. Yeah, it did. So, Owen, you, you were named all-conference a couple of times, and you got an at-large invitation to play in the D3 championships back in 1982. What was that like for you? Well, you know, uh, the powerhouse of our conference was Redlands University, and they went as a team every year. But every year they would also take uh, the best finisher in the Skyac championship. And I made that in 1982, and I got this at-large invitation, and it was really a big a big deal for me because, you know, playing – Division three collegiate golf, let's be honest, at least in my era, we were not very good. And uh, to get an invitation like that was really significant for me. And to, to be able to take the time to fly back east, play at Wittenberg, uh, which was the host that year, was uh, was a big thrill. And it was kind of like the first first accomplishment, if you will, that I could hang my hat on. And uh, it meant a lot. And like I mentioned, Owen, your alma mater inducted you into their Hall of Fame. Their MVP, MVP trophy is now named in your honor. It's got, what's it like to be recognized on that level by your school? Uh, it's a little humbling, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's not something that I ever thought about. And they called me up uh, after my 2005 season when I won Deutsche Bank and finished 20-something on the money list and asked me if I'd come out. And they kind of sprung it on me. It was a, it was a big honor. And – 
you know, whenever you, whenever you leave your name somewhere, it means you had an impact on people. And, you know, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the Occidental College program. They, they didn't have a women's team when I was there. They now have a women's program. And it's just a, it's a great college. I mean, you know, as we all know, Barack Obama went there for a couple of years. There have been a, a number of great athletes who went to uh, that little small school, only 1,600 students. Joe Cap uh, is one. Um, uh, a couple guys that made it to the NFL, uh, which is a surprise. Our track team was always stout. We always ran against Stanford um, in, a, in an annual track meet, home and home. And so, you know, for such a small program, Oxy's always had a pretty good uh, athletic career uh, history. And, you know, you talk about impact on people and all, and that's, that's something I'm always curious about, you know, for, for someone who is as accomplished as you are, you know, in your, in your quiet moments. Do you ever get an opportunity just to sit back and think about, you know, the great impact that you've, you've had on so many other people's lives? Uh, uh, that, that, that's maybe a little theatrical. I, I honestly, I'm always looking forward and not thinking much about the past. Uh, uh, my wife and I used to joke, you know, we'd go to our kids shows and, and, uh, events at school and we'd have to look around and say, one or ask one of our friends to take pictures. Cause neither one of us remembered the camera. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think, I think one of the keys to, to, uh, anybody's, kind of like uh, lives is to, is to always look forward. You know, the past is the past. You can't do anything about it. I, you know, people ask me about, about golf tournaments and what's it like to win. I go, you know, for half an hour, everybody's taking your picture and patting you on back. Then you got on a plane and go to the next week. You know what I mean? So I've always been kind of interested in what's going to happen tomorrow as opposed to what I did yesterday. Hmm. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I like, you know, I'm always curious about, you know, emotions and, and, and accomplishments, you know, for, for things that, you know, like people, you know, like myself and, and our listeners, you know, will never understand what it feels like. Like for you, you know, your first tour win came at the 91 Bakersfield Open over a guy that we love on the show, Bob Friend Jr. And it came seven years after you turned pro. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know, can you, do you remember back? Do you think back on, you know, what was the emotion like? You're about to get your first professional win. You're coming down the stretch. What's that like? You know, it's a really funny story because um, my wife and I had our son. We have a son and a daughter. Our son in 1988, and I just couldn't get on tour, and there was nothing for me to do besides play mini tours, and it was really starting to get stale. And I, I didn't feel like I was making any money or improving. I mean, I was scraping by. My wife had uh, gone to law school, and she was kind of keeping us together. And uh, She was a prosecutor here in Palm Beach County, and you know, without her, I'm nowhere. You know what I mean? Uh, but my dad caddied for me that particular event. Uh, wow. So in 1991, he would have been 61 years old. And, you know, the whole thing a 61-year-old's doing, he's emptying all the golf balls, all the tees. He's taking everything he can out of the golf bag because it weighs too much. And I go, Dad, I need those balls. you got to put them back in, you know. And uh, <laughs> I remember I started, I played with Webb Heinzelman in the last round. He had a two-shot lead starting the day, and I shot four under on the front nine and basically got hold of control of the tournament. I ended up winning by four shots, but on the 18th tee, it's a really awkward tee shot. The, the fairway kind of pitches left to right and there's out of bounds, right? A bunch of trees and there's trees up the left. And my dad hands me my driver and he says, what's it like to have a four shot lead to win your first tournament? And I go, pop, do you mind if I get this ball in play before you start patting me on the back? <laughs> and, and I kind of hit this, 
I kind of hit this trap knuckle squeezer out in the middle of the fairway, you know, nervous as, as a cat, right? Um, and got it on the green and, and hit a really good putt. But, of course, I had a two-and-a-half or three-footer coming back and, you know, just throwing up all over myself. Well, you know, when those kinds of things happen, you make it in the middle of the hole anyway. It doesn't matter. And, and it was just a cool moment. You know, father and son, uh, I, I you know, my son plays golf, and I – I have so much fun hanging out with him and playing golf with him. And to have my dad on the bag for my first really significant win, you know, has meant the world to me. Uh, he's got pictures of it all over his office. And you know what it's like to be a dad, man. I mean, dads, dads want nothing but the best for their kids. And they're so proud that they can't, can't do anything but pop when their kids do something great. So that was a big day for us. So fast forward seven years again, and, and you got your first win on the regular tour at the 98 Hartford Open by chipping in, oh, by the way, from, from about 40 feet. Look very Larry, Larry Mize-esque from the 87 Masters. Talk about the emotional rush as you watch that thing go in. Well, first, first of all, and totally respectfully, Larry Mize, to my, to, in my mind, hit the greatest shot I've ever seen in golf. For him to chip in in that situation, hometown boy at Augusta, is far and away the greatest shot I've ever seen or could imagine. I mean, it's one of those kind of things. You remember how when Tiger chipped that one in on 16 at Augusta, how the TV right. screen was shaking and all that kind of stuff? Well, if the cameras had ever been near Larry there, I mean, the, the place, it was like a volcanic eruption or something like that. It was the greatest shot in golf. But uh, for me, I had had almost the identical shot in regulation. And my caddy, my caddy, when I hit that shot in regulation, said, I need your best shot right here. And I hit a a beautiful pitch to about four inches. I just went up there and tapped it in. I was, ta- I was playing with Grant Waite uh, that day. And the truth is, is that, uh, you know, Larry had control of the tournament and he ended up bogeying the last hole uh, and letting me into the playoff with Stuart Sink. And uh, we went back to the, back to the 18th tee and I, and I hit my second shot. I'm telling you, it was five or six inches away from where I had chipped it earlier. So my caddy looked at me and he said, you know, remember when I told you I need your best shot of the day? He said, I lied. I need it now. And it, and it went in the hole, and he said, his name is Mike Harmon. He said the exact right thing at the exact right moment that got me into the exact right frame of mind where things that, you, that are totally unexpected, you know, they come up through your subconscious, and that's the value. I mean, this is a sports psychologist's uh, dream is to have a story like that so that he can tell his students what it's like to, to prepare yourself emotionally and mentally to execute a, a, a good golf shot. So it was one of those kind of things. And by the way, where I had guys coming up and jiving me the whole next week, he said, was the worst chipper on tour chip in to win that tournament. How does that happen? And I go, man, right place, right time. What can you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a couple more before we let you go. And you, you talk about Larry Myers at the Masters, and you've had an opportunity to play at Augusta National on, on several occasions. What's it like for you? What's, what's it been like for you to be a part of a Masters tournament? Well, there are only a couple things I've ever done in golf that exceeded expectations. You know, winning a tournament is a big deal, but as I said, it's fleeting. And the two things I've done that really exceeded my expectation were I had had a number of invitations to Augusta from people that I know or whatever, and I made myself a promise that I'd never go unless I got an invitation to the Masters. And so I had built up this, you know, we watch it every year on TV, how you know what every hole does, what the breaks are on the greens and the whole deal by watching it. We're all Masters fans, right? Uh, and so that exceeded expectation because it's such an extraordinary place. And the history is just such a, it's, it's just mind blowing. Uh, 
you know, it's some of the most dramatic golf that there is. Uh, you know, you think about the putt that Phil Mickelson made to win the tournament. You think about Tiger winning for the first time there. You think about Jack's run in 86, which is still probably the greatest golf tournament I've ever watched. And I watched every shot of that. And everybody knows where they were when Jack made that run on Sunday in 1986. Everybody knows whether they were, you know, in their living room at their buddy's house, you know, whatever. If anybody who skipped it and went and did something else regrets it, right? And right. the other thing was being a, uh, an assistant captain on Paul Azinger's 2008 Ryder Cup team. It is unimaginable what it's like to be on the inside watching the stuff that's happening on the outside. It is just an extraordinary experience. And we've been schlacked pretty handily for a number of years. And Paul put together a plan uh, that the players really embraced. And everybody rose to the occasion and... You know, we had the hometown crowd with the hometown boys, Kenny Perry and J.B. Holmes and all that. Man, it was just the most exciting thing I've ever been a part of. And and, and to that end, Owen, I mean, you know, Paul and, and, and the team gets a lot of credit, right, for being, you know, doing things differently, you know, then and, you know, and, and uh, certainly a huge success. Right for for our for our Ryder Cup uh, our Ryder Cup team in the right in the history of the Ryder Cup. Talk about what was what was different then about you know how Paul how Paul put that team together and how you guys went out and executed that uh, you know, that we may have gotten away from. Hopefully we got back to it this year. But you know talk about what what that was like and being a part of you know an event of that nature. Well, you know you can he's he's written a book called Cracking the Code. It's it's been uh, for sale for a number of years now and it kind of explains a little bit about it. But he he formulated a plan. He put together a plan and he gave the players ownership. Um, and the players dug it. You know, golfers are independent contractors. We're all we're all dogs working a fire hydrant, right? And it's it's very <laughs> hard to get that kind of to get that kind of mentality, the individual mentality, um, and and bring it into a team format. It's very difficult to corral that kind of thing. And he he figured a way to do that. And you know, he had uh, you know uh, he he developed the the pod system based on what the Navy SEALs do, and he consulted. Uh, a bunch of people about that. And he really thought that he changed the eligibility format, the selection process. Um, and he, and he brought the fans in inside the team, the spirit of the team. And they helped elevate the team and carry us to victory there. But the players just, it's extraordinary how they elevate their games and become almost superhuman. I mean, JB Holmes, was hitting at 375 or 80 yards off the tee and then flipping little in-between number, you know, 63-yard wedges to two feet and stuff like that. I mean, just a masterful performance tip to toe. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how, how great the players are in that environment and how much fun it was to really be a fly on the wall in it because I was just kind of riding around, you know, hey, you want to you want Coke here? You want a, you want a, a, a G2? You want some water? Hey, what can I – you know, it was just – fun it's the best way i can describe it and Owen, and you know go back a few years 2011 you're, you're out on the champions tour and now you bring home a major at the 2011 u.s senior open that was played at inverness that year talk about winning a major and out distancing a field that you know included guys like marco mirian marco mira mark kalkovecchia hair Irwin, bernard longer you know all those guys near the top of the leaderboard and you walk away champion well, you know, we got great fields on the Champions Tour. It's great guys. It's the only, it's the only uh, sporting event where you can go watch Hall of Famers playing 
currently and competing at the highest level. So um, it was just, it was an honor. You know, I led wire to wire there and people ask me about it all the time. What was that like? And I go, the first three days were the most fun I've ever had in golf. Sunday was horrendous, man. I was sick to my stomach the whole time. I woke up at two 30 in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep. And you know what? If I'm leading, I go, I go into the final round leading by two, but if, if, if I don't win that tournament, hey, it's a pat on the back and nice tournament, nice week, which means, hey, you didn't get the job done, as opposed to getting to hoist the trophy. And besides that, you know, being a USGA champion is a big deal. They're the the keepers of the key, and our U.S. Open is probably our most prestigious event, and that just means the world to me to have that trophy in my case. Oh, and before we let you go, what's coming up on your schedule for uh, 2017? Yeah, it seems uh, we got a good schedule this year. We got 26 on uh, tournaments on the docket. We're starting off at Hawaii. I can't wait to get there. Hawaii is always a great place to start the year. So, everybody who's enjoying the snowfall in um, mid-January, tune into the Golf Channel and, and watch us play at uh, that Hawaii Resort there on the Big Island in Kona. And it's just a, you know, we start the year there, and then we kick it into gear, and we'll finish it up at the Schwab Cup and uh, at Phoenix Country Club in Phoenix, Arizona, and should be an exciting year for Champions Tour golf. Nolan, let our listeners know, how can they stay abreast of all the things that you're doing, whether it's online or over social media? You know what? I got I got a Twitter account. It's at Olin Brown. Look me up. Follow me. Ask a question. I'm happy to answer them. I post a uh, – I've turned into kind of a DJ. I post a morning tune to get everybody in the right frame of mind. You know, some of it has a reference to something. Some of it is just plucking it out of thin air. And uh, today I put, put up Marshall Tucker Band. Yesterday I put up Rolling Stones. I tend to stick to my – to my, you know, to, to my taste in music. Although, you know, somebody makes a request, if it seems reasonable enough, I try and post it. So um, follow all of us on the Champions Tour uh, Golf Channel or or uh, at Champions Tour Golf, at PGA Tour Champions, I guess is what it's called. And uh, I'll look forward to coming back and talking to you about it sometime. If you have any questions, man, send me, send me a question. I'll, send, I'll shoot you back an answer. Thanks for having me on the show today, Chris. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning, Owen, to be a part of the show. Huge thrill for me to have you here. I hope, like I say, and you say, I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I will look forward to it. Now I'm going to go back and bail out my partner because I left him for two holes, and he and I are playing our kids in a match. So that's where it's going. That's where it's happening right now. I hope everybody up there has a great day. Take care, Owen. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thanks a million. All right, take care, Owen. That is uh, Owen Brown, nine-time winner out on out on the uh, various tours in the 2011 U.S. Senior Open Champion. Huge thrill having Owen Brown as part of the show. All right, before I get to my next guest, Paul Grandgard, we want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Bobby Jones Company. And, folks, you know this, right? Cold, damp, windy days, game changers for us out there. You can beat the odds with Bobby Jones layers from quarter zip pullover, super soft sweaters, and check out all of their great styles that they've got available at bobbyjones.com. But while you're on their site, please click on the equipment link to see their great line of drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Jesse Ortiz. And Jesse, like his father, Lou, and Bobby Jones himself, right? Jesse has a passion for club design, golf design, right? Golf clubs. You remember his great Triwood medals from his days at Olimar. Well, now he's putting his creativity together and his innovative designs to work for the Bobby Jones Company. Check it out online by clicking on the equipment link when you go to bobbyjones.com, or you can go there directly by going to bobbyjonesclubs.com. 
And if you're looking for some great gift ideas for the golfer in your life, please check out our friends over at FargerGolf.com. What a wonderful array of products that they've got available, like their amphibian towel that won the best new product at the PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009, or their new catch-latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases your amphibian towel, your brush pro club cleaner, whatever you got on your bag, you can, you know, easily attach it and then unattach it, you know, keeps it safe so you're not going back to the, you know, the uh, foursome behind you going, hey, anyone find my golf towel, right? So a lot of great stuff, a lot of great gift, gift accessories for under $20 right now. Go online to froggergolf.com to see all of their great products. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line and making his fifth appearance on the show is Alan Edmonds, CEO, Paul Grandgard. Let me remind you quickly about Paul's background. He earned his bachelor's degree at Stanford and his MBA from the University of Chicago, spent 19 years in his, as an investment banker at Piper Jeffrey. He's been the president and CEO of Allen Edmonds Shoe Corporation for the last eight years when he took over now, folks, and, you know, back in 08, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. So Paul has led a fantastic turnaround story there at Allen Edmonds. But, you know, there's so much more to Allen Edmonds. We know about their shoes, right? So much more to it than that, particularly this time of year. I want to remind our folks out there about their great accessory items. They have some very cool things, you know, for the person who loves, hey, a variety of shoes, right? You know about that. But they've also got great stocking stuffers like socks, belts, gloves, scarves, plus some of the most unique gift items that you're going to find anywhere for the sports fan in your life. How about some cufflinks or a pen made out of authentic wood from the seats from Fenway Park? or Wrigley Field, or Boston Garden Parquet Floor cufflinks, or Los Angeles Dodgers game-use uniform in their wallets, right? Great stuff, and, and, you know, and, and, and you know, one of the you know, things that's been on my wish list for years is the Three River Stadium you know, seat cufflinks that, they, that they've got available as well, and those are just a couple of the very cool items that you can find on alanedmonds.com. And if you, you know, browse through, you're going to see so many great products, like I say. And, you know, you go, if you go on, onto their site and click on the gift, uh, gift tab, that's where you're going to find some of these really great sports items. And, you know, as, as you, know, you can tell for me, very excited about all of those things. And, you know, one of the most exciting things that's happened for me this year, I, I, I come home, boom, I, I've got a pair of the Three River Stadium cufflinks. I've got a game-used puck uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins pair of cufflinks. You know, I got a game-used baseball opener from a Pirates game. As a as a Pittsburgh sports nut, now all of a sudden I'm in heaven, and uh, all, all uh, by the you know the, the graciousness of my next guest, their CEO Paul Grandgard. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you too, my friend. So. Paul, I've you know I've been saying this for the last couple of years. You've been joining me here on the show. You know how much I love you know the great sports items that you guys have available. And as a kid, you know that was born in Pittsburgh and a fan of all things Pittsburgh sports. You know the Three River Stadium cufflinks caught my eye. You know uh, you know a couple of years back, and boy, it's been certainly been on my Christmas wish list since then. You know I grew up in the '70s watching games at Three River Stadium, particularly the Pirate games. State that stadium is hugely sentimental. To me, I went to Penguins games, watched Mario, the Mew, and the boys back in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, um, now I, I come home, I get these cufflinks, you know, in, in the mail from you. Hey, thank you very much. Blown away by having them show up. And then e- equally blown away as I get the opportunity just to kind of stare at them and brings back so many memories. I rub them now for good luck. Uh, so thank you very <laughs> much. Talk, 
talk about those you know talk about those things uh, you know the things that uh, you know, our, our listeners can find like that on your site well you know i'm just like you know i, I think we're similar ages anyway i'm a little older than you but uh, those old ballparks and watching the saturday game of the week uh, with kurt gowdy and tony kubek uh, you know i used to love watching your pittsburgh pirates play the cincinnati reds i was here in minneapolis uh, cheering for the Minnesota Twins, but in the 70s they didn't have particularly good teams, so it was great to have uh, something else to watch. And Three River Stadium and just the new style of of a baseball diamond with those pockets around the bases, but otherwise it was all astroturf everywhere. It wasn't that good for the players, but it was really cool to see. And um, you know, I love history generally. Uh, we also sell uh, these pens that just I've got one in my office here at home upstairs that just is uh, another something to pull out and just stare at. It's made out of a piece of wood from Independence Hall. When they redid Independence Hall, you know, the tourists walked through there and they had to put some new wood flooring in Independence Hall in Philadelphia. And, you know, the to the credit of the people who remodel our great historic buildings around this country, they don't like to just toss that wood into a landfill. So, you know, various entrepreneurs have had smart ideas of what to do with it. And, um, you know, to have a pen that maybe George Washington walked on this piece of wood uh, back in the late 1700s, it just kind of boggles your mind and um, just really cool. And, you know, on the sports side, you know, when they remodel uh, and repair old seats in Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park or this year with the Cubs finally winning the World Series Wrigley Field, it's just, it's really cool to have a cufflink that's got a piece of those green or blue box seats from the old, old days um, in a beautiful sterling silver setting that you can wear nobody who looks at them thinks they're not high quality cufflinks and then you're sitting next to somebody at a at a business meeting at dinner maybe and they start talking about their interests in life beyond this uh business purpose and you know you point at your cufflinks and say you know this is Wrigley Field and it turns out the guy sitting next to you is a huge Cubs fan and now all of a sudden you got a connection so and you know I, I I knew you'd be happy when I sent you those those things from Pittsburgh, but uh, just hearing you talk about it really warms me up. It's about uh, we're headed towards 25 below outside here in Minnesota, so I need something to warm me up. And uh, hearing you say that just really does it. Thank you. Ah, uh, I, I, you know, again, I, I can't thank you enough for all of those things. And you know, it's a, it's you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna treasure those things forever i promise you that and you know now it's it's the way i start my day right to come downstairs get ready to go to work and uh you know rub rub the seats rub the puck you know grab the grab the baseball it's sort of you know you, you when you talk about you know sports sporting events right you see so many players they rub the stone they tap this thing they you know play like champions today that's uh that's yeah. my play like champions today i, I touch those yeah. things and uh to get to get my day started and and to Good your idea. point well, Paul, i hope it takes a I hope it takes a couple of strokes off your handicap over the next few months. Then that'll be good. <laughs> I hope so too. Thank you. <laughs> and, 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 and Paul, you you know, we and we've talked about some of the. You've got stuff across 
so many sports, right? I mean, you you hit on the the Wrigley Field, the Fenway Park. I'm a Red Sox fan too. You got the you know stuff from the wood seats from Fenway Park and 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 places like Wrigley Field. And that it's not just the cufflinks; it's the pens too. You've got you know parquet, part of the parquet wood floor from the old Boston Garden. You've got stuff from Lambeau Field available. So it's not it's not just you know one or two sports. You you know, and if we talk about the Penguins and hockey, so this is stuff all across all of those sports. And even you know, and you mentioned this the last time we had this this conversation. We're talking about some of the things you've got available. One of the other really cool things is you've got you know you've got cufflinks from the golf balls that have been fished out from the you know the 17th hole there at the TPC right near the Island Green. You got golf balls that have been fished out of there that have made into cufflinks. So you might have a, a set of cufflinks you know from any number of the greatest golfers in the world. Now they're on, they're on your cufflinks. So and it'd be a good reminder that they also make a bad shot now and then. So you know a lot of guys. <laughs> Like you and me, uh, you know, when we hit a bad shot, we get really upset. I remember uh, I invited Johnny Miller to speak at a business meeting once, and uh, and uh, Johnny's a really great guy one-on-one, I'll tell you. He's been very friendly to me over the years, and and he stood up in front of our group, and it was all businessmen, and uh, he said, uh, you know, you guys, you take yourselves too seriously out here. And if you don't mind my saying, most of you aren't uh, what I would call athletically gifted. <laughs> then everybody starts to chuckle. And, <laughs> and, and he says, uh, he says, you know, I practiced hours a day when I was in high school and college. You guys were all doing something else to get smart so you could get your, your careers that you have. And you're a success at that. He said, yeah, but look at you, you go out and you hit bad shots and, and it's often right away on the first tee and you're, you're grousing around and you're frustrated and your eyebrows are knotted. And you hit a good shot maybe on the third hole and you go, it's about time. He said, you have the exact opposite attitude as you ought to have given you've got families, you've got jobs. You know, this isn't uh, what you have ever done for a living. You didn't play college golf, so you know what you do? When you hit a bad shot, just accept it and walk along and have fun. Enjoy the day. Enjoy being out with your friends. Enjoy the the beauty of a golf course. And then when you uh, hit a good shot, you go, yay for me, whenever it comes. Yay for me, however many you have. I, I thought that was great advice for a guy like me who had always taken the game more seriously than I should have given my uh, ability level. And uh, it was just it was really good advice, but for a lot of things in life. And he, he gave some other really good advice that day that I, if you don't mind, I'll share the other one. I've carried it with Jeez. me. This was now 20 years ago. He said, you know, the other thing I want to tell you guys, and this is the kind of man Johnny Miller is, I really appreciated this, because uh, this was a hard-charging group of people. You mentioned that I used to be an investment banker, and this was at a uh, a meeting for CEOs of companies thinking of going public. And, and so it was filled with bankers, lawyers, and hard-charging executives. And he said, you ought to teach, treat your family as well as you treat your best client. He said, uh, you would never walk into a business meeting with all the troubles of the previous hours on your mind and, and immediately start grousing at your uh, at your best client, would you? Not, not with business on the line. Of course you wouldn't do that. He said, so... No, don't do that to your family either. When you get home, if you're, if you're in that kind of wound-up mood, sit in your car for a minute and uh, think about how lucky you are and uh, and walk into your house ready for the same kind of upbeat conversation you would have with your best client. And um, 
uh, you know, I didn't expect him to, to give us those two pieces of wisdom that day. And, and uh, it was the reason I hired him practically five years in a row to uh, continue to give clinics to a group like that. It was just uh, a lot of really good wisdom to share to, you know, regular people, hardworking people who are out trying to make a living and, and do a good job in the world. And, you know, you expect he, he was also great on the tee. He would imitate Chichi Rodriguez. He'd imitate Tiger Woods' swing. He would imitate Lee Trevino's swing. And, you know, even though Johnny's Johnny, it, it suddenly looked like these other swings, you know, like he was this other guy. He'd do this exercise on, uh, which showed just, you know, how far away from the game that they play out there. You know, you were talking with Olin Brown here a minute ago, um, just how far away most of us are. He said, as you, as he warms up, and Tiger does this too, uh, he does what he calls the uh, the three floors exercise where he'd hit the same club, the same distance, but one of them would go through a window on the first floor, one of them would go through a window on the second floor, the third one would go through a window on the third floor, the fourth one would go over the building. And he hit all these beautiful shots exactly at that at these different heights because of the wind, because of why we wanted to work the ball. It was really... Uh, something to see so uh these golfers uh, you have on they're they're really um they, they can do superhuman things that's for sure yeah exactly right and and paul you know here we are you know this is this is a very sentimental and emotional time of the year and you as you shared that story about you know with johnny miller about how to treat your family but you know for for you as you look around uh, and you know, I, one of the things that I've you know, wanted to talk about uh, to to my guests lately is the impact that you've had on other people's lives. And you know, as I did in your intro, you, you certainly turned the Allen Edmonds company around when you took over. Do you ever give yourself an opportunity just to kind of sit back in a quiet moment and think about the you know the positive impact that you've had on so many people's lives, including mine? Well, you know, that's, I was raised by uh, a father and a mother who very much gave back to the community and, uh, you know, thought the reason we're on this planet is, is not to indulge ourselves, but rather to uh, make other people happy. And, and then when I first got major leadership job in business, I started reading some business articles and, you know, sort of, I've become more extroverted as time's gone on, but uh, I was pretty tightly wound in those days and very concerned about how I was coming off. And I was working for a guy who just had huge charisma and feeling kind of dogged about my own uh, ability to inspire people. And, and uh, I read this article, which I thought was fantastic and really great insight. Charisma is not how you make people feel about you. It's how you make people feel about your, about themselves. So it, it isn't, you know, Prism is not shining the light on you. It's actually turning the light around and shining it on the other people. And and uh, it's interesting you asked me that question because Alan Edmonds was sold this week. Uh, so this has been a big week for us um, to a great strategic buyer and industry player, Calaris, out of St. Louis, Missouri. They are the owners of Famous Footwear. They own the women's brand Naturalizer. In fact, one of the great things about them is that they are eager, eager to get into men's shoes and men's products, and they don't have any other brands that we have to compete with 
we've got all the elbow room we need to grow Allen Edmonds now. It's terrific. Uh, our private equity owners were good to us, um, and now it's terrific to to have a long, long-term partner in Calaris to think about how we can really achieve our goals at Allen Edmonds, not just in the next couple of years, but really over the long, long term, and not just in the United States, but now we'll be able to go international with it. It's very exciting. But back to your question, as part of that sale, you know, uh, there were options that people had, and and um, and we also had a that got cashed out, and we also had a chance to uh, pay some thank you bonuses to some people. Uh, so this has been a week when I have had a chance to ponder the impact of of working hard and having good strategies and, and then having success at them uh, on people's lives. We doubled the employment during my time here so far. Uh, I'm going to stay with the company, so it's not over, but uh, we doubled employment at Allen Edmonds. We uh, doubled the number of jobs in the United States, which uh, it means middle-class jobs on up. Uh, and then I, I had a guy who got unexpected to him a, a bonus for this transaction this week and uh, he was in the conference room with me saying thank you and he started to tear up and so did I and this is one great guy he's, he's a terrific guy and he's you know he got a couple daughters he wants to put through college and uh, this, this bonus made a big difference to him so yeah this week especially yeah, I have uh, thought about that I have to admit and uh it feels really good to uh, turn that spotlight the other direction and uh, make sure that people feel good about themselves and know how much they're appreciated. Wow, that's beautiful. And, and Paul, as you talk about, you know, doubling the jobs, you know, one of the things that I like to highlight when uh, I get the privilege of spending some time with you is that, the jobs that you have, it's all here in the United States, right? Alan Edmonds has been making shoes here in the United States since 1922. It's not like, you know, so many of the shoes that, that we see available for sale that, uh, that are, you know, imported from somewhere else, right? So talk about, you know, the importance, you know, for you to keep those jobs, you know, here in, in, the, in the U.S. Well, that's the reason that I jumped in when there was a leadership vacuum at Allen Evans. Is I wanted to, uh, I, I had an idea of how we could get this company moving in the right direction. And, um, you know, that turnaround now is sort of deep in the rearview mirror, uh, but uh, it was an important time in our company's history. Uh, we've just been growing uh, for the last few years every year, uh, thinking more about success than about turnaround. But, uh, Less than 2% of the shoes that are made in the United States, or that are bought in the United States, I should say, less than 2% of the shoes bought in the United States are made in the United States. So so we're one of the last remaining American shoemakers, and uh, that was really important eight years ago, and it's even more important today as we've doubled our employment. It's just a really important part of who we are, and I'm really, really proud of it. I didn't have the wisdom to uh, serve our country coming out of college the way your listeners do. And, uh, you know, I went straight into the business world. And this is one of the ways I, I consider I'm, I'm doing my part as best I can to serve this country is by helping this company make jobs for people. And uh, I'll never forget, this is one of my favorite stories, is a, a guy who looked like he could have been a friend of mine in high school. He's wearing a baseball cap. And he's a new employee in our production line. And, and you know, he's an athletic-looking guy. And 
I walk up to him and I say, hey, Randy, you know, welcome to the company. And he says, well, I'm really happy to be here. And I said, well, I'm glad that what, what were you doing before, I asked him. He said, you know, I've been out of a job for a couple of years. I got laid off at a, another manufacturing operation that closed down and sent the jobs overseas. And and uh, I've been doing lawn work in the summer and a little snow plowing in the winter, but I really haven't had a full-time job for two years. And uh, I said, well, I'm glad that our growth here has made it possible for us to hire more people and that you're one of the guys we have here. Welcome to the company. And he said, well, you're not as glad as I am because this job is the difference between my daughter going to college and my daughter not going to college. And wow. uh, that really hit that really hit me that day. And, uh, you know, it's just, just your average Joe, uh, Randy. He's a great guy um, and smart, hardworking, and he just needs a chance. And uh, so happy to be able to give it to him. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. And, yeah. and, and you do – you guys do a lot of things to honor our veterans, you know, and, and, the, and the tremendous sacrifices that they've made, you know, for us and our, and our country. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, our show goes around the world to the armed forces, through the armed forces radio network. I want to give you another opportunity to talk about the wonderful line of things that you have available that, you know, that honors our military. Plus you've had some, some military personnel give you guys some good ideas along the way, right? Yeah, we we have, but, uh, most important thing for everybody listening is we have a military discount now. You can go on uh, our website and um, there's a button you can push in order to get into our uh, military discount. You put in your military ID. I don't remember exactly how it works, but it's pretty self-explanatory uh, on there. And you'll be able to get a nice discount on what we have uh, here. And, and, you know, we make great shoes for your dress uniform, but we also make great shoes for you to wear when you're interviewing for a job coming out of the service. Um, you know, that's the, the main goal we're trying to do is make sure you're uh, the military men and women, uh, but especially the guys, obviously, because we're a men's wear company, have have a chance to look their absolute best. It matters. Um, it really matters when you're sitting across the table from somebody, how you look in an interview. So you want to have good shoes Good shirt. If it's a tie environment, you want to have the right tie on. So uh, a lot of guys think they don't need to care about that, but actually, uh, you only get one chance to make a first impression, and that's what our military discount is for—to try to help people make a first impression. We had a Marine uh, sergeant uh, contact me, and uh, he wanted us to uh, make a wingtip in two different colors so that it would uh, stand for the Marine Corps and um we we did that for him and uh you know the color I remember best was red for the spilled blood uh, of our Marines uh, defending our country but uh, it was um I think it was red blue and black that we uh, did for him for that uh, for that shoe it was a really cool looking shoe we do it every year uh, back to our sports uh we have a march madness offer every year where we'll do two colors for people. They can wear shoes that match their favorite school colors, blue and white, uh, for, you know, the great uh, basketball teams that uh, have blue and white on them, or, or we'll do green and gold. So, you know, a lot of our friends in Wisconsin love having green and gold shoes or red and white shoes. We do that. Watch for that in uh, February. It starts so the people can have them in time for March madness, 199 bucks. You can wear them to, uh, to your favorite, uh, 
And, and Paul, as you as you talked about at the top, you know, you're up there freezing in Minnesota, and, and you know, so many yeah. of our listeners, you know, are going to be trudging right out through the snow, you know, getting whether it's to and from work or you know, to and from you know, family to to go visit at this time of year. One of the things that I wanted to get some feedback from you as you know, as as we try to do that, what, what are some of the good boots? that you guys have for us to wear that are, you know, both functional, right? Because you don't want to be trudging around in, in, in the snow without a functional pair of boots, um, but are also good for us when we're, when we're out and about, whether it's at a holiday party or going into the office. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, most fashions go in sort of five to even a little longer uh, year cycles, but there's one uh, trend that you really haven't seen since um, – 70, 80 years ago, and that's the idea of wearing dress boots to work. Uh, people didn't do that really uh, going all the way back until the 30s or the 20s, but now that's a big trend. So we have boots that are made out of finest calfskin, the same uh, kind of leathers that we make our best shoes out of, and and you can have boots like that and wear them to the office uh, in northern climates, uh, especially if you got to walk get to the office instead of wearing some old rubber bottom boot uh, on the way you can you can wear these a lot of them have rubber soles on them there's a sole that we've been doing a lot with that people really like both on shoes and boots that's called the Danite sole it's made by a British company and this Danite sole has uh, spots on it almost like uh, golf spikes but they're they're just nubs on the bottom about uh, three quarters of an inch in diameter and they're set up sort of like golf spikes, including with the famous Ben Hogan spike in the middle of the ball of the foot. And they give you great traction. They handle the weather really well, but they also look, look really good. So we've got some great boots. Uh, we've got one that we named after Prince. Uh, when you're from Minneapolis, you're uh, thinking awful lot about Prince and where he first became famous and where he filmed Purple Rain. So this one is called the First Avenue. That's the name of the old bus depot that's now a music venue here in Minneapolis where Purple Rain was filmed. So you can get the First Avenue boot. We also have a boot that we wanted to do as an, a vintage boot. And then when I looked at it, I said, you know, let's do this in honor of, of our uh, veterans who served in World War II. We call it the Normandy. And it looks just like an old military boot that might have been in a trunk around the house going back to 1945. It, it's made out of can, uh, antelope leather. So, uh, it's called kudu leather, which uh, is really soft and looks immediately broken in. It looks like, even though the shoe's brand, brand new, it looks like it, it could have been worn trudging through San Iglesias or someplace like that in uh, Normandy. So we call it the Normandy boot and then we've got uh, a new boot that we call the Higgins Mill boot this year that's sort of an Indy, Indiana Jones looking boots uh, it's the one I wore last night as a matter of fact that's uh, it's got a little wider profile to it across the toe so guy's got a, um, uh, a needs a little extra room in the toe this boot will definitely have that and then the boot that started it all for us is called the Dalton which I named after a friend of mine and the Dalton is a very dressy wingtip boot uh, that you can you could wear to that job interview. It's a, it's a very very formal good looking boot. 
Yeah, no, I mean, all of your boots are absolutely spectacular. Love the, you know, I, we, we talked about this before, but the Normandy boot, I think, is absolutely out of this world and a great idea, and it, it is a great honor to, to the veterans of the country. And, uh, yeah, all of those boots are fantastic, and that's why I wanted you to highlight them today because goodness knows, and you know this better than I, but you know when you're when you're trying to get to work, whether you're you know coming off of public transportation or you're just walking between buildings or wherever you might be out and about at this time of year, you know there's you know you got the snow, you got the sludge, you got all of those sorts of things, and uh, you guys you guys have some great boots that uh, you can keep us looking good and then uh, and dry as well as we uh, have to walk through those kind of conditions. So kudos to you guys for those things. Yeah, thanks. Paul, we got some great uh, clothes too. Um, Sport coats this year, some uh, uh, vests, and you know, great shirts. A lot of stuff to look at. It and you know, the holiday promotions this year are as deep as they've ever been. So it's uh, it's a good time to be a shopper here this last week before Christmas. A lot of great deals out there. Yeah, and that's you know the you know just a couple of more things before we let you go. But that's one of the things I wanted to get your your feedback on is you know for for some of us that still you know we're, we're we're we love the game of golf so much, right? We'll we'll wait through the frost delays and everything else to you know when it warms up, whether it's later in the morning or in the afternoon, to still try to get out on the golf course. What are some of the things that you guys have that can keep us warm when we're out there braving the cold temperatures because we just can't get enough golf? <laughs> I'm thinking actually as I look out the window, my neighbor's uh, shoveling everybody's driveway. He's an awfully nice guy with a snowblower. I think I might go out and work on my sand game a little bit here this afternoon in the <laughs> snow. But uh, um, yeah, so I know what it's like to not be able to get enough golf. That's for sure. We've got some some great uh, golf shirts. We have our own golf shirts that we do under our own brand, but we also discovered uh, this great brand out of Southern California called Johnny O. And we're selling some of Johnny O shirts. They're a little uh, younger looking, a little more fashionable, uh, but they're also really, really comfortable. And they're not too young. I mean, I can wear them. I like them a lot. So Johnny O stuff. Uh, we also have, um, uh, we have a, a down filled vest, that uh, would be a great thing to wear, you know, uh, out when it's really pretty cold on top of uh, of uh, a nice uh, sweater that we have. We got some great sweaters. Um, we've got golf shoes. You know, I put on a pair of our honor, honors collection golf shoes later in this season this year and wore them the last few times I played. And it, it's amazing. Now I understand why Phil Mickelson still wears the classic golf shoe. Uh, it's just the feeling under your feet of, of that classic golf shoe with a little thinner sole. You're so close to the ground and yet that firm leather, strong leather gives you more support as you go through your swing and uh, it's better for your ankles. It's just uh, so uh, don't forget the golf shoes. We uh, we have their Jack Nicklaus golf shoes, spikeless, also made out of really strong leathers. And then we have what we call the Honors Collection, which are, uh, you know, the soft spike type of golf shoes these days that uh, look really good. You and I talked last time I was on about the Fort Worth, which uh, yes. then, then Gary Player got excited about. I thought that was a ton of fun, the way you put that on your social media, and he responded to it, huh? Yes. That was that was a huge thrill. The, 
to see the back and forth with Mr. Player, and we're honored that you know we get to speak to Mr. Player uh, every year. The, the, as we head into Masters Week, he always joins us on the Saturday prior to uh, to Masters Week. So look forward to having him back on the show here again in a few months. And it was a great thrill to have him talking about the shoes and that sort of thing because you know those shoes reminded me of him. They almost look exactly yeah. like the golf shoes that you know that he wore back in the day. So fantastic. Yeah, we uh, named them the Fort Worth in favor of another famous golfer uh, down there, Ben Hogan. But they do right. look, the black and white ones looked exactly like something that Mr. Player would wear. So, yeah, it was really fun. Paul, one more before we let you go. And, you know, so one other gift idea for our, for our friends out there looking for last-minute stuff. And it's something that I think that we all can use that you guys have available. And those are organizers that you know, people may not know. You got some organizers available on AllenEdmonds.com that you know can help us organize. You know our you know our chest of drawers, right? Our drawers there, and you know socks and, and and ties and all of those sorts of things. Talk about some of the things you guys have available that can help us get organized as we uh, you know you not only get into Christmas but to get into the new year. Yeah, there. Two uh, businesses that we have gotten into because we were so good at shoes. One is we made shoe trees out of the best cedar wood that you can have, and cedar wood is a very absorbent wood, so they're they're great for soaking up moisture in shoes after they've been worn for a day, and they help shoes last much longer. They really ought to have shoe trees for all your good shoes. Uh, but being in the cedar business, we, we started doing drawer organizers because not everybody has or can afford to have a, a big cedar closet in their home. But to just have a little bit of cedar wood in your sock drawer, your underwear drawer, uh, can help you both keep it organized because they, they're they little boxes and things. Uh, but it also help you with the scent and uh, getting uh, that really nice, great cedar smell into a chest of drawers or a uh, a non-cedar closet. These things work great. Tie hangers made out of cedar, belt hangers, really, really good stuff. And then the other side of it is, you know, we know all about leather, so we've gotten into leather goods. So you can uh, get your business leathers before you go to that first interview, or maybe it's, it's you know, 30 years after your first interview. But uh, we've got great briefcases and great duffel bags for business travelers, um, that are selling really, really well for us because they're extremely well made. And once again, we've uh, built jobs in the United States. We don't make them ourselves, but we work with small suppliers here in the U.S. uh, to get those business letters made. We do own the plant that makes the cedar goods. So uh, both of those things come um, right out of the United States and, and American hands. Paul, before we let you go, remind our listeners, besides on AllenEdmonds.com, where, where they can find great Allen Edmonds products, the shoes and the apparel that you've talked about, plus how they can follow you guys on social media as well. Well, first we've got to spell Allen Edmonds correctly because uh, there are a couple of different ways to spell both of those names. So it's A-L-L-E-N-E-D-M-O-N-D-S, not U-N-D-S, it's M-O-N-D-S, so AllenEdmonds.com, and then we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Uh, you can sign up for Alan Edmonds on any of those things. And uh, we're, we've got a really great marketing team, some really fun young people who are doing that for us. Uh, the, the guy who heads our social media is a guy named Brett Stone, who uh, has come uh, to us here in the last few years and doing a great job for us. So uh, 
check us out on any of those social media sites. Paul, thank you again. First of all, thank you again for the wonderful gifts. Like I said, I'm going to treasure those things forever, and that's going to be the the good luck charm that gets me through every day. I hope it does take a few strokes off my handicap as well. But and also, thank you again for being you know so great and coming on the show and you know sharing all the stories you know behind the products and uh, and then you know obviously updating us on all the great things that you guys are doing. It's always a privilege for me to get to spend some time with you. Well, you're too kind, Chris. Thank you for having me again and. Especially thanks to your listeners for their service to the country. Thank you. Absolutely, Paul. Christmas. Thanks again. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to 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 you to you and your family. I can't wait to get the opportunity, hopefully, to spend some more time with you uh, in the not too distant future. Always a great time having you as part of the show. Thanks, Chris. And let's play golf in 2017, huh? That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Please, let's make that happen. Yeah. All right. Happy <laughs> Take holidays, care, Paul. Everybody. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paul. That is Paul Grandgard again, CEO of the Allen Edmonds Company. And folks, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing with you. You look at the great gift items that they have. You know, the sports fan stuff is absolutely through the roof. And uh, you know, boy, that those three rivers cufflinks and the and the, and the penguins uh, puck, you know, game used puck and the pirates, you know, game used baseball bottle opener, absolutely outstanding. I mean, I smile every time I see those. It brings a smile to my face, and it's it, they're fantastic things, and so many other great things on there. And then the shoes and the boots and and the sweaters. I mean, you know, you know we all know Allen Edmonds for the great shoes they have, and they're all spectacular. And the boots are are, are, are amazing. I'm telling you, those Normandy ones, that you know. That that has now jumped up on the list, you know, for me as you know things that I've got to get. But uh, you know, you go on there, you, so many things you don't you know, you don't realize that they have. So you need to go check it out, AllenEdmonds.com. Take a look at all of the great products: wonderful shoes, wonderful boots, and then you got you know the sweaters and all of the other items that they've got available. Those those organizers, I need to get some of those for my drawers. Goodness knows. So great stuff. And Paul is such you know such a great guy, and it's it's a, such a privilege for us to get to spend some time with him periodically. Look forward to getting him back on the show, hopefully again in the not too distant future, and playing some golf with him in 2017 all right folks it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of next on the t before we close up shop i want to continue to remind you about our friends and our partners you know pga tour pro jim estes and the great folks over at the salute military golf association let's hear a, an update from uh, jim and about the great things that they are doing the salute military golf association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, Jim and his team are doing some amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. Please, to find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go to smga.org. 
All right, everybody, my sincere thanks again to Lisa Longball, Owen Brown, and Paul Grandgard for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I want to remind you, please check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe LaGianusha. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can check it out on the Armed Forces Radio Network as well as Blog Talk Radio. That show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast by our great friends over at Podbean. You can also find it on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, and SoundCloud as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days and insights into today's game. We also highlight two players that are doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. So please check us out there. Please check us out on Facebook. You can find this show next on the tee with Chris Mascaro plus Thursday Night Tailgate. We've got a Facebook page. Please uh, you know, give us a like. That's very important to us as well. Online, you can find this show at nextonthetea.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free from Podbean or from either one of those two sites, our sites, nextonthetea.net, thursdaynighttailgate.com, and you can stay up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be as well. Thank you again, folks, for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of choices for content, whether it's on the air or as podcasts to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you've made Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Christmas Carol. Where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors. And media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love. From the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.